Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast, a show to share stories, insights, and experiences in strength physically, mentally, and spiritually. I'm Michael Krukowski, host of the Strength Connection, and I'm so grateful that you can join me today. So in these episodes, I connect with some of the most inspiring and successful individuals to chop it up and learn from true life experiences that have helped them become who they are, the strongest versions of themselves. One of the greatest ways I've always learned the most important lessons is through stories. We all have them, and they make us who we are. So let's dive in. Here we go. Adam Lucero is the founder of Superhuman CEO, and he's the owner of one of the craziest stories I've ever heard on the podcast. So everything changed for Adam one night in 2016 at the movie theater when he thought someone punched him hard in the shoulder, but turned out to be a chef's knife that went seven inches deep into his body, leading him to fall into a coma, waking up seven days later and a hell of a recovery journey to follow. So Adam tells me about this crazy night and the impact this had on his life, specifically his mindset. In all odds, a millimeter in each direction and Adam would have died. That's what the doctor said. And I asked him to come on and share his story and the lessons he learned on mindset and strength. So with that, we're going to get right to it, guys. If you like this episode, you want to show the podcast some love, then please rate and review it wherever you're listening to it. And don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you catch all new episodes that are dropped every single week. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Let's get on with the show. All right, let's make a little magic. Adam Lucero, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to yeah. be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate your time. Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah. So your story is really interesting, man. I'm sure you I'm sure I'm not the first person that I heard that before, but it's always interesting when these big events kind of make this huge change and shift into mm-hmm. our life. Um, and it's something probably I wouldn't want anybody to have to experience, but I mean, a lot of good can and silver linings can come out of this. So, um, you know, I'm excited mm-hmm. to kind of hear your story, all the work that you do with Superhuman CEO and mm-hmm. everything here. So, yeah, um, we'll just we'll dive right into it. Let's do it. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, 2016, this happened, right? Just mm-hmm. going to the movies, and then all of a sudden, some shit popped off. So, how did, <laughs> how did this whole how did this whole kind of incident um, happen? Yeah. So, I mean, imagine you're just sitting there watching a movie, you know, lights dim, your eyes are just glued to the screen and you're watching it. That's all all your attention's on this freaking movie. But then all of a sudden you feel hard hit to your throat because that's what happened to me. Literally my initial reaction was like, this person hit me hard. So I stood up and I was like, dude, what the hell? And then I felt another punch to my arm and chest. So then at this point I'm like, all right, screw this guy. Turn around and I push him. And as I push him, I feel cut on my wrist and ear. And then that's when it dawned on me. I got stabbed. Those weren't punches. So I started yelling, like, I've been stabbed. I've been stabbed. The lights turn on. I see him start running away. And then I take off my shirt because I'm lit. This guy had a chef knife. You know, the knife that get bigger, closer to the handle. It went halfway through my throat, punctured my lung down here, went deep in my arm. You can see the scar right there. So I take off my shirt and I'm wrapping around my neck, just holding the blood in. And then these two older women come running up. They're like, okay, like, what should we do? I tell them, just put pressure on my neck, like hold the blood in. So they start doing that. And then I hear someone say, should we call 911? And I was in there bleeding out. I lose it. Like I yell back to them as I'm bleeding out yeah. on the floor. Yeah, you should call 911. If you don't call them in this situation, when would you? Like, yeah. this is what it is designed <laughs> for. You know, I just, yeah. So in this moment, I'm so enraged. I was like, are you kidding me right now? I was like, yeah. can someone just help me? Mm-hmm. And then so paramedics come five, 10 minutes later, they start asking me all these questions. What's your name? 
What's your mom's name? What year is it? Who's present? I get it. They're making sure I'm conscious, yeah. aware, mm-hmm. sticking with them. But again, I'm like, can you guys just stop? You can get to know me after. How about we just save my life first? Can we make that a priority, please? Like, mm-hmm. just and so they're like, all right, let's get them up on the stretcher. They pin me up on the stretcher and I feel all my wounds worse than the initial stabbing because now I don't have the adrenaline in me. Mm-hmm. And so they have one person on the front right of the stretcher, one on the front left, one back right, one back left. Now they step over a row of chairs or start going down the stairs. And I feel all my wounds worse than initial stabbing. Then the front left, back, right, back, left. So for every chair, row of chairs there were, or how many steps there were, I felt like I got stabbed in all those places four times. And I remember just looking at the ceiling, just trying not to scream my guts out. Mm-hmm. Like it was the most excruciating pain ever. But eventually we get down to the ambulance. And I remember thinking like, you know what? The paramedics got me. I don't need to stress mm-hmm. or worry. I can start yeah. to relax. And as soon as I get that thought, I feel cold rush through my entire body. And then it dawned on me. I was like, I lost a lot of blood. I could die here. I see the paramedic come over with an oxygen mask. I remember thinking, okay, don't fall asleep. You're not supposed to fall asleep in this mm-hmm. situation. I knock out within five seconds of them putting it on. Wow. I wake up seven days later from an induced coma. I'm living off tubes. You unplug them. You unplugged yeah. my life. And it was at this point, I was just completely weak, broken, and pathetic. Like I used to be 170 pounds, six foot, like 7% body fat. Mm-hmm. Now I'm 130 pounds, like sticks and bones. My legs forgot how to work. I was always so exhausted. Like even when I got to the point where I was able to eat normal food, yeah. I literally would have to nap halfway through my meal because eating exerted all my energy. Like I remember thinking like, I have to get up to use the bathroom. That was like a feat. Like that was like almost like, like I was going to run. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I have to run a marathon in my eyes yeah. to get to go to the bathroom, you know? Yeah. And so I was just really in this state where I was weak, broken, pathetic. I lost all my confidence. I started questioning, like, do I really have what it takes to live this life that I always wanted to live? Like I always wanted to run a business, but now I'm like, how can I do that? If I don't have the energy to even eat food, if I can't think clearly, yeah. like I literally can't even solve 11 times 11 right now. And so it was at this point, I was like, all right, well, I can quit and give up on my potential. You know, I can be a victim and I have every right to do so. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, that wasn't serving me. That train of thought wasn't serving me. So I chose the second path and I started to study evolution, biology, psychology, learned how to optimize human performance, how to have more energy levels, mental alertness, how to become stronger, happier. And I told myself in one year, I'm going to be faster. I'm going to be stronger and I'm going to be happier than I was before because before this happened, I was in a great place. Mm -hmm. Now, within one year, I ran a 459 mile. I was putting up close to as much weight in the gym as I was before. Mm -hmm. And I was just in a great place mentally. And so fast forward a few more years, I'm now running a business to help entrepreneurs and driven people optimize their performance and their productivity. So they accomplish more in life. Damn. That's, it's a hell of a journey over that time. Did you, did you know this person who stabbed you? Mm -mm. So he was schizophrenic in his own world and the cops were actually looking for him when he attacked me because two days prior, he stabbed another man 50 times, five, zero times. And obviously that person's dead, Mm -hmm. but yeah, no schizophrenic just, the thing was before the movie started, the two older women that came to help me, they said that they were in the back row. And they said before the movie started, this guy just turned around and just stared at them, like dogged them out for like literally a minute or two straight until they moved. So I think, I mean, who knows, but I think he was 
checking out, like potentially thinking of going after them. Then they moved and he just saw mm-hmm. me in front of him. He's like, well, that guy's done. <laughs> That's so, oh my God. So, so there's no motive behind this at all. You were just a random person to this just mentally crazed guy and That's- just kind of wrong place, wrong time. That's how it would appear. Yeah. Did that, I mean, did that kind of like thinking of this, like, did that like mess with you at all? Like mentally as part of it as well, of just like, how is this? Like, what the heck is this? Like, I'm sure it's kind of a, almost every different thought mentally, spiritually and stuff like that goes into your head as you're kind of recovering from this. Yeah. So I'd say like, obviously in the beginning, there's definitely some thoughts like that. Of course that happened to me, you know, all that kind of thoughts. Um, But Again, you just, I started to realize it's like these thoughts aren't serving me. Again, it's more of that victim mindset where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can sit there and blame the world. Of course, this happened to me. This sucks, but how is that serving me? And eventually I realized it wasn't. And so mm-hmm. at that point, that's when I was like, I fully accepted what happened. I was like, I can't change what happened to me. This did happen. All I can do mm-hmm. is choose how I want to respond moving forward. Yeah. And so by fully accepting what happened, it allowed me to go from victim mindset to solution mindset. And it was just no more negative thoughts, no more self-pity, no more whatever. It was just, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get back on track. And mm-hmm. so I'd say really accepting it's what shifted everything for me. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that acceptance of that, I mean, that's, I mean, it's a hell of a shift that's going mm-hmm. on there. And like everything goes back and forth. What were those kind of conversations with yourself like in that? Was it more of like an epiphany type moment where it was like, all of a sudden it was like, I'm... I'm not letting this defeat me or was it more of a very gradual kind of mindset shift over Mm. time of recovering? So it was like, it was weird because when I first, when I first woke up from the coma, like I had good humor in the sense, like the first thing I even wrote down because I couldn't speak. The first thing I wrote down was, do I at least get a refund on my movie ticket? And so like, what what movie was it? I just, I always joke and say, I deserve to get staff for watching this movie. It's terrible. Uh, the Shallows. It was Blake Lively. So oh, I, was essentially, gosh. I was essentially watching Blake Lively, not The Shallows. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But right. yeah, so it's like, it had a combination of like those moments where I can joke and be in a good attitude. And then moments where it was like really shitty. And I had a lot of self doubt, a lot of negative thoughts and all of that. Mm-hmm. And what really drove me to the point where I fully accepted it and started being able to change was when my legs didn't work. So because what happened was I remember them saying like, Adam, do you want to get up and try using the bathroom? And I was like, let's do it. Like I'm ready to get my life back on track. And so I was laying in a bed, this position for like seven days. And literally I just tried getting up, going to shift to that position, just trying to get up. And I had the worst case of spins I've ever had in my entire life. Like, you know, when you're drunk and you just can't, you can't close your eyes. Otherwise you're going to throw up. I kid you not, I had to look at the same spot in the ceiling for probably three to five hours. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I felt like I was going to throw up. And I was like, if I throw up, I'm going to throw up into tubes. Like, how is this even going to work? Yeah. And so the next day they're like, all right, Adam, do you want to try getting up and use the bathroom again? I was like, all right, let's do it. And so this time I actually get up and then I get to the edge of my bed and my legs don't work. And this is when like, I, I just had so much anger in me during this moment. Like I used to be a division one track and cross country athlete. And now my legs don't work. And it was really in this moment that I told myself, I was like, in one year, I'm going to be faster. I'm going to be stronger than I'm going to be happier than I was before. And it was at this point is when I had that mindset shift. Mm-hmm. So it was like for the first like week or so, it was like a lot of back and forth between joking, being okay. And then yeah. doubt, anger, all that. And so, yeah. 
Yeah. What was the, what was the prognosis when it came out? Like with the doctors, did they say like, <laughs> you're going to have some struggles over time or did they say you should be able to get back yeah. to normal function? So first thing they said, they were like, they were mind blown because they're like, we, if we were to choose the exact spot that you got stabbed down to the millimeter, it would be exactly where you, where it was. They were like one, one centimeter this way, instant death. One centimeter this way, uh, I forget all the parts they're telling me, a jugular or whatever would have been pierced or whatever it is. And so they were just saying like, that was a miracle in itself. They're like, that one should have killed you. This one should have killed you. Like they were just telling me all these crazy things. But yeah, in a nutshell, that's like pretty much what they're saying. They're just, you were meant to live apparently. But yeah, they did tell me they're like, I had nerve damage in my tongue that prevented me from being able to speak. Like my tongue couldn't go to the right side. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like I remember even when I got released from the hospital, I'd order up food and when I go to pick up the food or my mom would, it wouldn't be under Adam. It'd be under Alan. Cause I couldn't even pronounce it my own oh, name. Okay, yeah. Like I'd be mm-hmm. trying to say my name, mm-hmm. but I couldn't. And then besides that, I had more nerve damage where it was like, if I touch something like this, I would feel like an entire sharp pain jolt through my entire left side of my body. And so, yeah, it was just like very crazy things like wow. that. So some nerve damage, um, it's hard to tell now, but even when I smile, there's like a droop on one of the sides. It goes slightly lower, very mm-hmm. not noticeable, but yeah. yeah, they just told me there's all these things that are with nerve damage. We can't tell for sure if it's going to get better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm pretty much recovered. Yeah. There's just a few like small, small things. Like one of the ones that's still with me, I guess is going to be, first of all, my chest is indented because my lung got punctured mm-hmm. down here. Like I could show you and it's like, this chest is a, like fully grown, like a normal muscle, yeah, but mm-hmm. the other one's totally indented. Kind of a dirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so there's that. And then, but again, for the price of living, That's I'm more, okay with, yeah, it's more aesthetics and yeah, stuff so, too. I mean, so that one's like, aesthetics. yeah, cause speaking to you, you know, it's like, would have never assumed that something happened over that time specifically mm-hmm. with speech. Cause I know, you know, one of the things that you've, you know, talked about was you can't speak at that time. And mm-hmm. I mean, the legs not working is, I mean, that's no, gotta brutal. be like a crazy brutal thing as well, but also mm-hmm. not being able to communicate after you were just communicating the oh, last yeah, time. I had to write down everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's great. So yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's so hard to, to put yourself into a situation like that. If you haven't been there of what it mm-hmm. really feels like to, like not be able to move your legs, you know, from there. Mm-hmm. And so many people, like, I mean, there's so many excuses out of different things, but when you're actually in that position, oh yeah, you're like, you... okay, like there, a different type of <laughs> determination probably comes out. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. That's great. So after that, like you get released and then you kind of, you make this mindset shift of like, all right, I'm getting back into full function. It took you mm-hmm. like over a year time when you got back into running sub five mm-hmm. miles, getting back into strength, all that stuff during that time. Was this a, like a mindset thought of like, I'm going to teach this like one day into a business. No, no. So the thing is like, part of me was already into this type of stuff beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like I've always just been a really ambitious person. always mm-hmm. want to accomplish more. Um, so I've always had this desire and I already had a pretty good base knowledge of it, but it was just taking it to the next level and learning deeper things about energy levels, mental alertness. And so I went a lot deeper into it for sure. Mm-hmm. But to your point at this time, I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to teach people this. Um, but over the course of years, 
first of all, I started my own business. And then I started looking back at my life and realizing, I was like, every single time in my life where I feel like I have a fire inside of me, I feel like I'm a kid on Christmas. Mm -hmm. I light up like a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. I realized it was when I was helping other people, whether it was like a friend hitting me up and he's like, man, I don't like my job. I'm thinking of becoming an entrepreneur. Like, what do you think? Or another friend hitting me up like, dude, I'm always crashing through the day. I can't be productive. I'm not thinking clearly. Mm -hmm. And I could be on the phone with them for an hour or two hours. And by the end of it, like I could be talking like this for two hours, super hardcore, super passionately. By the end of it, I feel refreshed. And so I just kind of realized, I was like, wow, that's probably something I should be having more in my day to day if it excites me that much. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I started a program around this and then just took off from there. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's still so crazy. Like doctor comes in and says like, this is the exact spot that it's like, I mean, that's, that's gotta fuck with your head just a little bit on there. (laughs) Just kind of going back and forth. Like, man, like that's like, I mean, talk about like almost stroke of luck when you're probably in like one of the worst positions you feel at the moment physically. Lucky and unlucky. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's hard to almost fathom that, you know, I, uh, I remember my, my sister in college, had um, got her neck broken and had like the same type of thing, like in a weird party guy kind of threw her into a snowbank, didn't realize there was ice underneath and cracked her spot. But the doc said like the same thing. Like if it was, I forget which, uh, which part of the C-spine it was, but like one millimeter lower paralyzed the other one instant death. And it's like this one spot. (laughs) And it's like, you're almost like, wow. Like, that's, like in the worst situation as possible, yeah. it's like, I'm so lucky at yeah. the same time as well. <laughs> Again, That's freaking yeah. crazy. Unlucky yeah. and lucky, however you want to look at it. You can look at both sides of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what was your physical recovery like at that mm-hmm. time? Like, was it, how long did it take before you started getting the feeling back into your legs? And was it, I mean, was it a long physical therapy session? Yeah, was it so, just more really building up your strength over time? Yeah. So we were able to get myself to walk with a stretcher while I was in the hospital, which is like about 14 days. So I was able to get myself to a point where I could walk again by the time I was released. And then at that point, it was just lots of increasing the walks. If I could go walk for five minutes next day, try and do six. Um, In fact, I remember and then doing some strength exercising, but I remember I was in the ICU and I remember them telling me like, just rest. That's all your body needs. But after I started to get the use back in my legs, like at midnight or one in the morning, I would get out of my room when there's no nurses and start air squatting and stuff. Which in hindsight, <laughs> it was probably so stupid. Like it was probably doing more damage than good. Uh, but yeah, so it's just day by day doing mm-hmm. things like that, increasing my walk duration, or maybe carrying like 10 pounds and doing air squats or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then again, just going to physical therapy, I had speech therapy, I had to go to normal therapy, I have metal plates in my jaw or something mm-hmm. had to go to like an EMT to get check that out. So it's just tons of different appointments. On top of that, doing everything that I was told to do from all those appointments. And then on top of it, just look, kick. I just kept on studying all this time. I had Mm -hmm. study, study, study. And that was great for two reasons. One, it helped me gain my cognitive function back because Mm -hmm. even reading was tough for me for a while. And so again, it was just kind of pushing myself mentally and physically to go a little bit further day by day. And then, yeah, my body, I started to be able to walk longer, probably after like a month. Mm -hmm. Then I remember I tried going for a run. And I just fell to the floor. Like my legs were literally so weak. I just like didn't have the strength to, to jog. Yeah. And so I remember just thinking like, I was pretty, pretty angered in that moment. Like again, but 
Yeah. Yeah. In a nutshell, that's pretty much what it was. The thing that took the longest for the recovery was the cognitive function. I would say though, like, yeah, like I'm my energy back at probably like four or five months for the most part. But even after a year, like it was still really tough for me to like function. I would just get tired very easily if I exert any energy mentally or whatever it was. And so, yeah, I'd say that probably took the longest. So like cognitively, was it more like trying to engage in like reading or studying and stuff or focusing? And then you get really tired. Or was it, was it recall at all? Like, was it, everything. was that a challenge? Everything. Everything. Yeah. everything. It was like, I can't think clearly if you're asking me to do critical thinking, very difficult, very, very difficult stuff that like a, a fifth grader could do. I couldn't solve for a while. Uh, if it was me thinking about tasks, I'd just be so exerted mentally mm-hmm. and just couldn't power through, do it. So just, it was, it's kind of almost hard to describe, but it was literally like, I felt like my cognitive function was comparable to like a fourth, fourth grader or somewhere in that level. And then, yeah, it just took me a while. What was your, what was the process like for you mentally when days like that came up? Cause I'm sure like, I mean, we know like, yeah, take it day by day, but when you're really in the process Mm -hmm. of that, that could be a really challenging thing to do. And when you have a day like that, like, oh, I'm going to go for a run. Then all of a sudden you fall, like what was, how did you overcome that in your mind? Was it okay? Like, this is just, mm-hmm. did you think of it like, okay, like I'm just not ready for that yet and go, yeah. or and like, how was that process? So there wasn't too much anger or upset feelings or whatever it was after I got to the point where I was like, I just fully accepted it. The only time I started to have those hiccups are in the extreme cases when I tried running and fell to the floor where I was like, God dang it, this sucks. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it was just, I just, I can't really emphasize enough. Once I fully accepted what it was, a lot of that stuff went out and it was more about, okay, I know this can be challenging, but I'm going to do what it needs to happen. And so that, I think that's what minimized a lot of the negative emotions, the self-pity and a lot of those feelings. So to be honest, I didn't have much of it. There was just a lot of hardships, but in my mind, I I was like, I know this is going to be difficult. And so Mm. because of that mindset, it, it really just enabled me to power through those moments with less anger and negative negativity. Yeah. When you say like fully accept what it was, what do you mean by that? And so I guess what I mean is like, I just knew I just couldn't change what had happened to me and having negativity, having the self-doubt, having this pity, having this victim mindset wasn't serving me. And so when I really realized that it just allowed me to just cut out all that noise and it didn't phase me anymore for the most part. All I was doing is just, again, focusing on what I can do. And I was like, I know this is going to be challenging. I understand what my, my roadmap is going to be. Every single day is going to be a struggle. Every single day, I'm going to have to go harder than the day before. And I know that there's going to be challenges, but by accepting and embracing that there's going to be challenges when they come, it, it didn't, because my expectations were already set that way. It didn't really phase me, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I was asking because I think that's a lesson that so many people can learn, right? Of mm-hmm. actually of looking at your circumstances objectively. You know, it's mm-hmm. I mean, pe- you know, people go through shit, you know, and like you you went through some of the worse. I mean, in most circumstances there, you mm-hmm. probably shouldn't be here, you know, at yeah. that time. And I'm sure you, <laughs> those thoughts really still come in and how easily it can be just to hold on that and be like, well, this happened to me and that's why it happened. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah, know, exactly. that's why I can sit back and because I went through this 
terrible mm-hmm. thing, but when you can actually look at it objectively, like that's a, po- I mean, that's a powerful realization. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's like most people, they have that kind of victim mindset, whether or not they even realize it mm-hmm. in different areas of their life. And again, it's just getting to the point where you have to like, realize like, how is that benefiting you? How is having this train of thought and saying, oh, I can't achieve X, Y, and Z because this happened to me. Even if you believe it to be true, that mental state is not serving you towards a better life. When you go from full acceptance and thinking about solutions and taking full responsibility, then it gives you the power to overcome what happened to you rather than you just blaming the world, being angry and falling in this vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck. Mm. Yeah. So that, I mean, do you see that a lot as far as a struggle with a lot of the young entrepreneurs and people that you work with? I mean, now you have a a successful business really helping people Mm -hmm. really maximize their productivity, which I think is such a powerful thing because in a lot of the work that you do, you talk about that Mm -hmm. focus and how you can get so much more done Mm -hmm. in that short period of time when you get a focus. I 100% believe that. And I think on the physical side of training too, is so Mm -hmm. powerful. Mm -hmm. Do you see like, is there a similar story with these struggles that you see from a lot of people that come in? and speak with you. Yeah. So usually when it's a lot of the people I work with is like six, multi-six or early seven figure entrepreneurs. And so typically what I see is like, whether it's someone being super driven in a career that's making 100, 200K, an entrepreneur making 100 to 400K, the number one thing that's holding them back is going to be something related to mind. I hate saying mindset because Every, no one, word. no one hears yeah. mindset. And go, oh yeah, I need mindset training, or they get hyped on it. You know, mm-hmm. it's but or mindfulness. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, whatever yeah. term you want to use, yeah. but yeah, ultimately that's usually what it is. It's these entrepreneurs, whether it's the way that they're operating. Again, could have a victim mindset. They fall victim to their circumstances. Oh, I didn't have time to do X, Y, and Z. It's like that's the most nonsense excuse. We all have the same 24 hours. It's a matter of what you prioritize and how efficiently you operate that dictates what you accomplish. And so a lot of it's going to be mindset. They can't get out of their own way. They procrastinate. They struggle to do the things they know they need to do. They let their motivation levels dictate what they do in a day. Just nuances like that. So that's typically going to be like the six-figure, multi-six-figure clients. When it comes into the seven-figure entrepreneurs, it tends to be some of the different areas that they can improve on. Uh, for example, they're just crashing throughout their day. By 2 p.m., they feel zapped of their energy and their brain power, causes mm-hmm. them to stop working on their business. Or if they do work, they just don't produce good quality work because it's not come from a place of clarity, creativity. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually a pretty big area where we can focus on with them. And then the third pillar is, look, you have to operate like a CEO. You can't be doing all these tedious tasks that drain you of your energy and time. Like I know there's there's seven-figure entrepreneur client of mine. Like the biggest thing that was holding him back in his business was him not creating enough ads. The cost per lead would rise up. And so I was telling him, like, man, like the biggest thing you can do for your business is create more ads. Like that's gonna bring you the biggest ROI. Mm-hmm. But he just didn't have the time to do it. So I was like, how do you not have the time? Like, let's look what's going on here. Come to find out he's setting up a lot of his software in the back end and doing all these tedious tasks that take like two to three hours a week. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Bring someone on on a team, train them up, and then they can do that and you can create ads. We did that. And within two months, he did 800K on his next launch. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it just goes to show you just have to operate more efficiently. It's like, look at Elon Musk. The guy runs Tesla, SpaceX, and Neuralink. Somehow he's able to manage his time well enough to run three billion or three businesses that are $100 billion businesses. But you're running a six-figure business and you don't Mm -hmm. have time. Good one. Get out of here. You're just operating inefficiently. 
Yeah. Oh, well, Elon's a tough example too, because I think he might be an alien, but we don't know yet. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. it is. I mean, it's, well, it's interesting too, because I mean, take someone like that with that example, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it is it something where you think like, maybe we just get in our the own comfort zone of like, this is what I've been doing. I've had success doing this, mm-hmm. thinking that just more of the same is just going to get me to the next level. Or is it- if, It varies a lot from client to client. In his mm-hmm. case, he didn't trust someone to do that work. Uh, like yeah. he's giving up access into a lot of his software and stuff. But I'm like, at the end of the day, I was like, like, just think about it. I'm like, that's 12 hours a month that you're spending mm-hmm. setting up all the software, wouldn't you rather go spend that time creating ads, make more money, or even just spending that time with your wife, going travel, whatever you want? Like, like it's just mm-hmm. a very limiting place. And so you often have to give them that perspective change. Like, would you rather be making hundreds of thousands more, or would you rather be spending your time and energy doing tasks that you hate and keeps your business stuck? Like, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. And so just have to, it's really different from client to client. Yeah. It is though. It's, but it still does kind of come down to what's in the mind, right? Oh, it's like when you shift, cause when you go to a different level, I've, I've talked about that of, on really the physical training you know, point mm-hmm. with clients is like the things that you do at the beginning to, if you've never gone to the gym before, yeah, and then all of a sudden you go, a- but you're going to feel those newbie gains right away. Right. Cause you're going mm-hmm. from zero to something. When you go from mm-hmm. zero to something, you always see a return on investment mm-hmm. right away. But once you get some discipline and you build it up and then you want to go to the next level, well, mm-hmm. now we need to look at different things. You know, might mm-hmm. need to look at recovery more. You might need to look at your nutrition more like mm-hmm. the things that you just did. Now yeah. you need to look at it a little bit different. And yeah. I think it's really the same on business development. Um, you know, mm-hmm. in many ways, it's like, it's, it could be a challenging thing for people to say, mm-hmm. okay, I've, I've gone as far as my ceiling is at this level. If I want to stay here, yep. if I want to break through that next one, mm-hmm. okay, going to need to look at time management and audit my time probably a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that's if, that's if you're wise, you realize that most entrepreneurs, they're not at a point where they can accept that they're the biggest bottleneck or they're, they'll make other excuses and then, yeah. But so I guess it just depends, but yeah. So would you talk about like procrastination and stuff? Mm-hmm. Because I think some people I would say, you know, especially who have seen some success in business and stuff would mm-hmm. push back on you and be like, I don't procrastinate. I work all day and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, how do you view like procrastination? Is it just avoiding the things that you need to do? Is it just being like lazy? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about that? I would say procrastination to me is Yeah. One of the factors is not being able to do the things you tell yourself you're going to do. So consistently breaking your promises to yourself, failing to do the things you know you need to do, doing tasks that are less important and aren't going to move your business as much because you dread the the boring work. Like I had another client, Ben, who for probably five or six months, he kept telling himself like, I need to get these SOPs created. Mm -hmm. I need to work more on product research because he owns an Amazon business but he wasn't doing any of that. And on top of it, he wanted to start another business for coaching people that on their Amazon business, all these things he wasn't doing. And he just felt like he just was his own worst enemy. He can't get out of his own way. And so that's where I consider procrastination is really more of those areas, but there's different forms of procrastination for sure. Some people have it in greater quantity as well, but that's ultimately what I would say it is it's like just pitting off things you really should be doing for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, it's tough because a lot of those things that you need to do, it's the simple and boring work and yeah, yeah. opening, opening, you don't up feel motivated sto- to do it. And so, yeah, well, and it's, it's chasing that kind of dopamine rush of something new, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, it's the version of program hopping. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm yeah. going to 
write this. And it's, uh, you know, that's a challenging thing to stick to your guns and hold it. And then all of a sudden you get to the end of the day and you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm exhausted. Like, cause I feel like I did so much when, when if you actually reality, look you at everything. If you look at the reality of how much you actually accomplished and how much it grew your business, it probably wasn't much, you know, in certain situations. Yeah. 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 It's like, you can work eight hours, but again, if you're spending it editing your own videos, it's like, okay, did that really grow your business much? If you spend Mm -hmm. it posting on your social media, it's like, you could have just hired someone for five bucks an hour, like a VA to post on your social media or to Mm -hmm. create the graphics. Cool. You can please your ego and just work for eight hours a day. But did that work actually progress your business? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned like energy from there too. Like when, Mm -hmm. like when you say like finding more energy on that Mm -hmm. and working with people, how do you do that? How do you work with people on that specific front? Yeah. So we call it attaining superhuman performance is ultimately what it is. Mm-hmm. Get yourself to a point where you have boundless energy, elevated mental alertness, like the guy in Limitless, not to that extent, but to be more sharp is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And then also the focus. And then you want to be in a state where you're having the creativity, right? And so to do this, it's mainly going to be focused on your health. Like ultimately that's really what we say it is. It's health, nutrition, fitness, how to do these things that are just going to naturally optimize yourself. Mm -hmm. And so basically the number one thing for your energy is going to be your sleep. And so the way I always say is like, you can eat the cleanest. You can, you could eat super clean, cut out all alcohol. You can cut out all the processed foods, vegetable oils, whatever it is. But if you get terrible sleep, you aren't going to be feeling energized and ready to go. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing you can do for your energy is dial in your sleep and your circadian rhythm. And then besides that, after, and again, we could get into how to do that if you guys want, but then the second thing is, yeah, look at your nutrition. And so what I always say is like, you really have two main sources of fuel that your body can use glycogen or which is carbs Mm -hmm. broken down and stored or fats. I mean, I guess ketones Mm -hmm. or whatever, essentially fats, Mm -hmm. but the thing is carbs is what 99% of people use as their main source of fuel, but that's Mm -hmm. not how we evolved for millions of years. And so the way I explain it is, okay, we adapt in order to survive. So this is why if you got sandpaper and were to rub it on your hand, your hand would start bleeding. But in a few days, it would come back stronger and tougher in the form of a callus. This is also why you're able to gain muscle. You're breaking down your muscle fibers, then they recover and adapt to the stress so that next time they can handle the weight you've, you're using in the gym or whatever you're doing. And then it's also why you're able to tan. Your skin's getting darker and adapting to the stress of the sunlight so that next time it won't be damaged as much. Mm -hmm. So if carbs or glycogen are meant to be our main source of fuel, then why can our bodies only hold 1,600 calories of it Mm -hmm. and our bodies can hold 67,000 calories Mm -hmm. of fats? And so it's like, okay, wouldn't that make us less likely to survive because it would limit our energy if carbs are meant to be our main Mm -hmm. source of fuel? And then the other aspect is, there's literally a term for this energy that happens when you're using carbs for energy. You know, let me give you an analogy. This will work better. Using, imagine that you're camping and you have to build a fire that's going to last through the entire night. Yeah, you could grab a bunch of twigs and build a roaring flame real quick, but then it's going to dwindle out. That's essentially what carbs are for your energy. You get a surge of energy as soon as you eat them, which by the way is just sugar. And then a few hours you get, you crash, you get grumpy, you get angry. There's literally a term named for it, hangry, right? Mm -hmm. That explains this phenomenon. That's because you're using carbs for energy. Whereas fats is like getting a bunch of big or medium-sized logs and building a stable fire that's going to last for the entire night. And so when you become 
fat adapted or you build the metabolic state to do this, we call it a superhuman metabolism, your energy is much more consistent. You don't crash throughout the day. In fact, I had a client text me yesterday. He's like, I didn't eat for 20 hours and I felt great the whole time. And that just goes to show, like, I remember one time it was like five or 6 PM. And I was like, something, I just feel a little off now. I was mm-hmm. like, something's going on. Like, what is this? I feel a little weird, but can't even describe it. And then I realized it's like, oh, I haven't eaten today. Whereas if I was using carbs for energy, oh, I would have crashed at like 1, 1 PM and just needed to slam down more carbs. So it's like your concept of hunger changes. You have more consistent energy. Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of what you can do for your nutrition. You can yeah. go a step further and be like, okay, here's some workouts that are going to increase your mitochondria. So you have more energy. Here's some other workouts that are going to deliver oxygen to your brain. So yeah. you think more clearly. So again, really combination of really everything you can do to optimize your health, mm-hmm. fitness, nutrition, circadian rhythm, sleep, whatever it may be, hormone mm-hmm. optimization. Yeah. I love the breakdown. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I love that when you talk to entrepreneurs who are probably coming and saying, how do I maximize my, mm-hmm. you know, my income and build it up and start talking about health and fitness mm-hmm. you know, of it from there. And it is interesting specifically on the nutrition front, because you know, a lot of people, we, we think of nutrition as like a one size fits all. If you, you this is how you mm-hmm. drop weight plus be cognitively focused, be mm-hmm. like, be energized, build strength. It's like, no, there's different factors for what you're trying to do. If you really want to build muscle mm-hmm. fast and you're on a physical journey, yeah, you're going to probably boost up your cards. You're just going to boost up your, your calories in general. Mm-hmm. Cognitively, you're going to go way down mm-hmm. you know, from there. It's like, it's way different. So there mm-hmm. is different energy systems cognitively what's the conversation like or like the the um the response with people when they come in and speak to you and you start talking about sleep and nutrition and kind of getting more workouts in they usually actually kind of like it because it's funny most of the people that come to me at this point they are they overall in decent shape do you do you feel or are they yeah, I'd say okay, yeah, okay because again, a lot of times it's going to be more that mindset consistency issue. Like they're they're not going to the gym consistently, they're not eating healthy consistently. Mm-hmm. Again, that's why the first step is really linking your two minds together, or we call it mind linking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it just really depends. What was your question again? I kind of I kind of got lost to train of thought for a sec. Well, it's like it's with it's funny entrepreneurships. The ones that I know who are have mm-hmm. continuously succeeded and are playing the infinite game, they're all in amazing shape. Mm-hmm. Like they all work it because they know how they well know how you to treat the body. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's still it. I don't know if it's a stigma or it's still we have this hustle culture mentality of sleep till you're dead. Mm-hmm. Of like go go go. It's like I can I hate that, focus. Yeah. I can penetrate on. I can you know, I can work on five hours sleep. And I know because I lived that for 10 years, like mm-hmm. where I was, I thought I was doing well. Cause I was still making sales. Mm-hmm. I would still have a smile on my face because I was getting five hours realizing I didn't actually notice that I mm-hmm. was off until yeah. I started getting seven, eight hours yeah. of quality sleep. How you feels all relative. You might think you feel good, but if you've never actually felt good, how would mm-hmm. you know? And so that's actually what happened with me is like, Back in college, I was trying to get big. That was my only goal. Yeah. I was like, I don't care if I'm lean. Like, I just want to get size on there, like total ego. But yeah. nonetheless, was doing that. And then I remember my roommate saying, hey, my dad's going on Joe Rogan's podcast. Do mm-hmm. you, you want to check it out? And I was like, what do you mean your dad's going on Joe Rogan's podcast? You say it so casually, like, what yeah. do you, what's your dad do? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, if you go on Joe Rogan's, you're yeah. a big dog. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, so his dad went on there and he's talking about nutrition. Again, some of these things that I talked about earlier. And he's like, you just have so much more energy. You're thinking more clearly. Just talk about all these benefits, all these problems that people associated with aging, arthritis, they all just went away. 
Mm-hmm. And so he's like, just give it a go for 21 days. And so I did. And I was just curious at that point. After 21 days, I felt super freaking human. Like, I kid you not, I literally thought I was like a superhero or something. Like, in terms of how I felt, I was like, I feel like I'm Superman right now. And so that's what was the plan. What was the what was the protocol? Again, it's going to be one of the big steps is going to be, again, building the metabolic state to use fat for energy, mm-hmm. cutting out a lot of these vegetable oils, oh, okay. doing specific type mm-hmm. of sprints, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a whole whole thing. But okay. nonetheless, I, it dawned on me at that moment because before I thought I was operating well. I thought I had energy. I thought I was thinking clearly. But then after I had that transition, I realized how low I was operating at before. And so it was just kind of crazy because before, like a good example was... I remember I used to hit the gym for 40, 45 minutes. And anyways, I became fat adapted, had more energy, felt superhuman. I'm sitting there at the gym and I'm at a point where I'm like curling like 25s for dumbbells, which is like small for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, barely getting any reps. in. I was like, what the heck is this? Like, what's going on? And then I looked at my phone and I realized I had been in the gym for an hour, 15 minutes. Like mm-hmm. I literally had so much more energy that I was able to push my workouts to the point where my muscles were fatigued rather than me and my energy. And then after that, I still felt so good that I was, I ran two miles after, like I had so much energy. It was just, it just snowballed every area of my life. My fitness, I started getting fitness results better. I started being more productive in my day to day, having more motivation, whatever it was. Yeah. It's powerful. I mean, when you see that difference of energy, it's, it's the Mm -hmm. same with, you know, it's kind of like the same with pain. People live in chronic pain all the time mm-hmm. and you don't realize it until that pain goes away. Way, it's like yeah, we get, well. it's, well, it's like, I think, you know, I, f- I forget who first coined this term or popularized it, but it's like the best thing and the worst thing about our body is our ability to adapt. It, like adapt, that yeah. is what we are good at. It's like, mm-hmm. so if something's shitty, we can figure out how, how to rationalize We can live it. with that shittiness. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're built for survival, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, if you have, you know, if you have pain, it's like, all right, well, you got to live, you got to, you know, our, you know, the olden days, you have to walk that way. Well, you got to, you're you going to compensate you it. Yeah. You're going to figure out how to get down that ridge because, mm-hmm. you know, your tribe depends on you to be around and be mm-hmm. safe. And then all of a sudden you open it up. I've, found the same thing with functional movement training. Cause I, mm-hmm. I was compensating when I was young from a surgery oh, and I didn't even realize how I was so asymmetrical in my movements until I actually mm-hmm. corrected it. Then you're like, like oh, this is how you're supposed to feel. <laughs> yeah. And it is. And I think it's, I mean, it's a, I think it's a great lesson for everybody specifically with, you know, people who are starting their own businesses. Cause I mean, I've been in my own business now for a couple of years and it's days when it's like, I mean, it's a lot of mental energy. And it's mm-hmm. like, if you don't take care of your body at the same time, it can so instantly drain you mm-hmm. over this time. So I love that you start with that approach with people of just getting their energies up. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's night and day, just not only being able to work more, if you need to work more, but also it's like, say, if you only have five hours, the quality of work you produce in that five hours is going to be so much better when you're thinking clearly you, it's like, look back to the last day you woke up exhausted. You were less motivated. You probably didn't accomplish as much. You felt terrible about yourself at the end of the day. It was like an uphill battle. You're like, I just need to get through this day rather mm-hmm. than those days you wake up, you're energized, you're mentally refreshed and you conquer every day. You make, you crush your to-do list. The quality of works unparalleled. And you just think at the end of the day, like if I had every day like this, I would just be unstoppable. So that's mm-hmm. really, it's like the difference in just quality of work is just night and day from when you optimize your health and you don't. Yeah. So oh, it's awesome. Um, Adam, dude, you're awesome, man. This is an amazing, I can't believe this story that you had and that you got to this point. I think it's so great. And 
you're just an inspiration with everything you're doing. I always love to close out podcasts with a specific question, um, just like Mm -hmm. your personal definition. So how would you personally define being the strongest version of yourself? Having personal power, control of your actions, your emotions, and your thought process. Literally that simple. (laughs) So dude, this is great. Uh, If people want to follow you, check out the work Mm -hmm. that you're doing, maybe the young entrepreneurs out there, they want to check out your stuff. What's the best place that we can direct them? Yeah. So two different ways. If you're interested in working with me and my team, Mm -hmm. you can go to superhumanceo.com. Or if you just want to follow me or message me or whatever it may be, you can go to my Instagram. It's Adam Lucero, L-U-C-E-R-O, then the number one. So Adam Lucero one. Awesome. Adam, thanks so much, man. Appreciate your time today. I'm glad to be here. Like I said. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. I'll talk to you on the next one. Peace. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.